shining a beacon on the bazaar. It's not just sort of like a saving grace there, you know. It's uh, it could be it could be construed as something a little bit different, because as we know on the on the mainland at the moment, uh, everything's opening up. Uh, people, can, you know, <laughs> people can go around and do stuff now. You know what I mean? Lots it's, of hugs, oh, cautious hugs. Oh yeah, yeah, hug but cautiously. How do you hug cautiously? I don't know. I, do you know? I'm, I'm just not going to bother. It's like naked gun. You remember when they're in those they're having safe sex and then they're two massive condoms <laughs> <laughs> like rolling together. <laughs> on that's bed. it. You know, cautious hugs. I, I, I'm just not going back to hugs. Yeah, you need to hug anyway. Yeah, you're not right, huggy person. It's isn't it? <laughs> so anyway, what? But another thing is he can do. He see is a different greetings from around the world. Oh, there's lovely. different ones. Yeah, you see, like a bit of nose rubbing. Well, this is it. So um, this is by Catherine Pushka for New York Post, right? So, um, so two kisses is a standard greeting in Paris, oh, right? On the cheeks. On the cheeks, moi, moi, oh, you know. Oh, oh, oh. But it's three or four in Provence, oh, right? Yeah. So is that in France as well? It is in France, yes. Yeah. So it's a fur, oh. further into the countryside, yeah. more rustic areas so of France. So they're just back and forth, moi, 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 moi. Yeah, one, two, three, four, like oh, that, yeah. you know what I mean? And then but it's definitely four in the Loire Valley. That's where yeah. they do it as well there. Uh, but it's up to five times they'll do it in Corsica. Five kisses, five. Yeah. Big sore lips. Oh, no. you, 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 you can't sing your family for a bit, Jesus. Well, the Spanish 
Uh, the Italians and the Belgians, they do two kisses. That's yeah, their little greetings, yeah, two kisses, yeah. Um, but the uh, Colombia settles for a moderate one kiss. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know if it's one big Frenchie stuck on front. And Brazil does two kisses, wow. you know. So because it's like one of those things here, it's um, Russia kisses two or three times followed by a hug. Because yeah. we always say it's always oh, the French getting a bit bit frisky. They always like to kiss, yeah. but it looks like just about everybody else likes to give the kissy greeting. Well, except for us, which is like a firm handshake. Yeah, that's it. You know, how many do you think it is in Afghanistan? How many Afghanistan, kisses? Afghanistan. I'm going to say they're quite generous. I'm going to say maybe four. Eight. Eight kisses. Eight kisses. It's a dry place as well. You need to get pregnant there. <laughs> <laughs> but in Congo and Egypt. People kiss you on the forehead. No, no, that's what you're going to say. Yeah, that's it. Because yeah. this is um, in one kiss or two, the art and science of saying hello. Andy Scott explores the unbearable awkwardness of greeting people around the world. Scott, who's a Brit, who identifies as a single kisser, right, <laughs> notes that one of the most unbearable greetings is the cross kiss. When each person goes for the other cheek and nearly smooch, so you know what I mean. We oh, get a crossover, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Apparently, that's the worst. That's mm. the worst. And that's why I think I'd avoid it because I don't. I don't like the because you see them on America. You know, like America does it when they don't actually touch. They kind of do them warm wars in the yeah, air, don't they? Yeah, like, bit, yeah. They're bad, but actually physically getting kissed as well by someone. Yeah. I'm just like, not nah, for it. It's not, nah. not for me. That mate. Not for me. Mm. So um, he says, apprehension about saying hello has become so widespread that it could be a social condition. So, uh, which I agree with as well. You know, you, especially in this day and age, you know, you don't really know what to do. I mean, yeah. a, a guy came in, in uh, into the lighthouse and doing a few deliveries the other day. You know, what I mean, and he, he was sort of saying, "Oh, what do you want to do? Do you do a handshake?" I'm like. Oh mate, nobody's yeah, doing a fucking handshake. Exactly. You know what I mean? Don't ask me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did give him the old, uh, the old elbow. Type and thing, that's but weird. I were on docks the other day. I hadn't seen a lot for ages, and we were all like, "Should we do the elbows?" And we we're all like little chickens, like <laughs> not Morris <laughs> Dancers. Exactly. <laughs> we're just getting like weird. We're just like, "Hello, good to see you again." Yeah, that's what it has to be. I think. But you see, in New Zealand, the Ma- Maori custom is the hong, right? <laughs> just wank you up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's like a literal tete-a-tete in which two people press foreheads and noses together and breathe in, Ooh. right? And it's like you're sharing a breath. It's like a breath of life thing. Oh, you know right. what I mean, you're yeah. sharing air, which is a thing. A Congolese meeting involves pressing each other's temple three times with the index fingers. So it's like basically just prodding somebody in the head, right? <laughs> three times. Which I wouldn't thank you for that, right? Yeah. In Guam, they knock knuckles on the forehead, so it's like knocking on a door. Oh, on coconut. Yeah, and in India, um, people show respect for elders by uh, by touching their right foot. That's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? That is very strange. But this is nothing compared to greetings of the past. In the 1850s, anthropologist Franz Boas documented Eskimo face slappers. <laughs> <laughs> so when a stranger entered a village. Everyone would gather while the visitor and a local man slapped each other's faces as hard as possible oh. until one of them called it quits. Yeah, and that's an hello. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Boas also reported on a common Greenland practice called hook and crook, in which newcomers had to bear their torso, right. so you've got to show your belly, <laughs> right, and arm wrestle a local on an animal skin, with the victor rewarded the right. With the victor awarded the right to kill the loser. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a hello. This is a hello. Oh my god. 
How weird is that? Belly out. <laughs> the bad thing is on the back of an animal, but animal skin. That's yeah, that's it. It's not like on a pig. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. just riding around arm wrestling with your bellies out. Yeah. <laughs> I must have I quite fancy going to Papua New Guinea though, uh-huh. um, because an, an overly welcoming population in Papua New Guinea, where the chief requires the new arrivals to suckle on his wife's breast. Oh, hello! Depends what she shot. looks like though. <laughs> <laughs> Three inch nips. Choking <laughs> <laughs> <Joking> on her. <laughs> Right, and as recently as the 1950s, it wasn't uncommon for an Aboriginal tribe in Australia to say hello via genital grabbing. Oh. So Aussie anthropologist MJ Meggett reported that men of the Walbiri, upon visiting each other, would place their penises in their host's hands. Ooh. And he said to refuse a penis was a sign of hostility. <laughs> oh God, you're start a war. <laughs> Slapping wangers in your head. And you're just thinking, oh God, here we go again. There's a big old doodle. So basically all I was like, oh, dude, you were saying hello there, wasn't I? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you your doodle. Honk. That's it. So yeah, it's friendly. Friendly, yeah. friendly. Nice and friendly. That'll be a discovery about the doodle. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose that they've all got, I mean, I suppose the... Bobbing a, bobbing a todger in somebody else's hands. I'm not sure about that as a green. I, know. I don't know the origins either. Is it, yeah. but is it a fact of, is it a like matter of vulnerability? Yeah, I don't know. They're just fucking really dirty. just like getting wanked off. Yeah. <laughs> just tends to big circle jerks all yeah, the time. They're going, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Daisy chain. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> just wanking. And going, oh, they've just been friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. <laughs> Did you hear that downstairs then? I managed to save your bacon there by wanking you off on it. <laughs> great hello you gave me. Yeah, yeah. you're bigger with a big hello, right? <laughs> but the incident that happened, the gantry giving way, mm. right? That would have been a nasty one, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? That's but it's not the only time that's happened this week, you know? Wow, somewhere else. This has happened somewhere else. So this is a story from The Independent. And this is Helen Davidson in Taipei. Wow, well, Taipei, where's that? Um, I think it's not China, kind of. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's China, is that? So and this headline is... China tourists left clinging to the 100 metre high bridge after the glass panels smash. No, wait, not those ones that they, they all pretend to smash and yeah. they all freak well, out. Well, they, don't, they, they do do that, but it's, this, yeah. is, this is basically just a glass panelled bridge, oh. right? So do you want to see this poor twat? Yeah. Oh, God. How many has gone there? Oh, loads of them. Just about nearly all of them have smashed. Like in wind or something, all bent. Oh, yeah. Be just no. That's phobia for life. You wouldn't be the same, would you? So this was a man was left stranded on a glass-bottomed suspension bridge in northeastern China after sudden gale force winds shattered the transparent panels around him. Jesus. The man was on the 100-meter-high bridge at Pian Mountain in Longjing City when it was hit by sudden strong weather. The local tourism department said. Gusts of up to 150 kilometres per hour oh. 
blew out several glass panels, trapping the tourist until he could be rescued by firefighters, police, and forestry and tourism <laughs> personnel more than half an hour later. Oh, zero there, half an hour. But why did he get out of bridge with all them winds going on? 100 mile an hour winds? Oh, get on a glass bridge. Well, I think what was happening was, I think he was just tooting along and it was sudden weather blew in when it was part way across. 100 mile hour oh, winds are coming fast. Yeah, yeah, they're coming, they're coming quite quicker. Coming 100 mile an hour for <laughs> So photos shared on social media showed the man clinging to the side of the bridge surrounded by gaping holes where the glass panels used to be. God, I don't have a gaping hole if that would be. <laughs> <laughs> just completely evacuate everything out of it. I'd have to pull my pants out and everything. Just like, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's going to come out. I mean, the thing is, the, 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 it's a big thing in China is all these sort of like glass bottom bridges yeah. and all that sort of stuff, but I've never been up for it. No, I, I think I've said it before, I'm sure there's one, there's like one... Um, Massive uh, shopping mall in Thailand, and uh, you know we used to be on the top floor quite a lot. And you, yeah. know, you, could, you know, like a big thing, you could look down, and it just went on forever. Yeah. And I couldn't, you know, you're there quite often, and you think, oh, just stick my head over again, just try face me. Oh my, oh my, whole heart and body were just rejecting looking down. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, think, I don't want to get on a glass bridge for that feeling. You know what I mean? To cross over it. I just don't know. I no. don't want it. I make me feel sick. No, it's it's not for me at all. I think uh, it's more, your body's telling you that it's all an awful experience for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically saying there might be 150 mile an hour gust of wind coming and blow yeah. this shit yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Just don't do it. Go yeah. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, just stay out of that danger. Yeah, it's bad enough. Like, say, painting lighthouse once a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, I'm not. Not putting myself <laughs> in further <laughs> jeopardy. Because they, they have done, as you, you were referring to, what they've done in some places, they, do, they put like TVs, really high <laughs> definition TVs, and don't they? So it looks like you're looking down through it. <laughs> the reactions are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Something shattering of effect runs across the TV screen, and you see people's arses falling out. It's just like Spider Man out of the So that's it, it's a lesson learned there. Just don't bloody do it. Yeah, proper yeah. bridges, please. That's yes, what proper big bridges. Giant bridges. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. <laughs> For the springtime when we take the road once more For the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur We'll meet up with our kinfolk from all the world around When the gang of folk take the road and yellows on the broom When yellows on the broom when yellow's on the broom, and I'll get you on the road again. When yellow's on the broom. Bloody hell, I heard some of them now. You hear that? I think I did have. I'm not too sure. Must be me. 100 mile an hour. <laughs> You're falling out of your ass. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Well, no, you, you see, if you got like the last bit of a disaster really in China, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? You know, do you know of any big disasters that happened in the last while or not? 9 uh, 11. That's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> We've had. I suppose Covid's a bit of a disaster. Yeah, isn't but, uh, it? What about Chernobyl? Oh, aye. That were a good one, wasn't I it? I'll tell you what, have you seen TV show? Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, we don't normally talk about telly, but that deserves yeah. to be talked about. God. Just incredible. Oh, it's one know. of the best things I've ever seen. I absolutely love that TV show. Absolutely loved it. Really good. Do you, uh, the guy, I've forgotten his name now, somebody, Harris, isn't it? He's the main guy with big thick glasses on. Who's the, yeah, uh, like the, yeah, the main star from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, do, you know, do you remember actor Richard Harris? Yeah. That's his son. Oh fuck! Yeah, wow. yeah. he's just as hard and gnarly, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is. Um, if you listen to his voice, it's the same voice. Wow! And actually, he's also in another great TV series which I can highly recommend, which is a very fourteen in its, its approaches. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Terror? 
No. It's basically, it's. I think I've forgotten who the, uh, is it Shackleton's expedition? It's, it's yeah. one of the big expeditions to find the Northwest Passage, right? right yeah. There's two ships, one called, whatever it was, and one called oh, the Terror. Oh, I've heard of these. Is yeah. it like a drama? It's a drama. That, it's but there's something else in it, or? Yeah, there's basically wow. some sort of massive man-eating yeti kind of thing yeah, in it, you know? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really well done, and he's wow. in that. He's like one of the lead parts in that. Well, um, going back to his dad, he were in uh, Orca Killer Whale, and if you haven't seen that film, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've <laughs> not got, seen it. Oh, man, I'll get it on TV tonight. Mate, it is so <laughs> weird and funny. It's, it, it shows the worst <laughs> baby whale killing you've ever seen in your life. No. <laughs> he's a big rubber thing but my god it's a funny it's oh, man. it is fucked up it's so funny oh no that's, that sounds good so well, that, that is a recommendation though I think that would yeah. be good and Chernobyl's good and the terror's good so yeah, watch those man. if you haven't already everybody's watched it twice already exactly. during lockdown so yeah. it's like you know. <laughs> well you'd be pleased to hear that um, uh, Chernobyl's biting back again because well, with three headed fucking lions or something well what it is um well, no, not with them. Well, weirdly enough, there is the thing they're saying there is like there is there is mutations occurring in plants and animals and stuff like that around Chernobyl. Yeah. But they're not necessarily for the bad. Some of them. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? They're not all sort of dying of tumors and cancers and stuff. Yeah. I think there is there is a peak in the acceleration in evolution in certain plants wow, and things, which yeah. I think could be happening. And another weird one that's happened recently as well in the Chernobyl area. I don't know if you've heard about this. Is uh, there's like an apple spirit, right? Which the, which is kind of traditionally made in the area. Yeah. And there's been a guy, an entrepreneur, has made like an apple spirit, right, from apples from the Chernobyl area, right? <laughs> and this apple spirit's called Atomic, Whoa. <laughs> right? And he's uh, he's he's made it. He's distilled. It looks very high end, yeah. and it's there's no more radiation in it than any other apple. Normally, it's been fully right. tested. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these because it's in that area of Chernobyl, yeah. he's called it this. But uh, it's been seized. His entire thing wow. has been seized. And says no, you can't use it yeah. because they said you're not allowed. The agriculture is not allowed in those areas because it's dangerous. Now this guy has been in those areas, and there is hundreds of mega farms in the area still making produce and, and stuff right, like this you yeah. know but what they're saying is people saying oh you're not allowed to farm there but there's farming there uh, it's this thing of quite a very russian thing which is to turn around and say you're not allowed to it's not happening while it is actually happening yeah, that's a very russian you know what i mean so it's, it's just one of those things where they turn a blind eye they start saying oh it's not happening there they're just deny yeah. it and it is happening there it's yeah. like this weird gray area but i think because this guy has got these apples and he's bringing them all over, trying to bring them all over the world. He's showing off, it's from Chernobyl, everybody else is like hiding it. Yeah, and he's shouting about it, they're saying, you don't do that, mate. And he's going, yep, but I've just got the apples from Chernobyl. No, you didn't, the apples out there. There's no apples there. (laughs) Yeah, but I've got this spirit. There's no apples there, mate. You know what I mean? (laughs) There is no apple. Yeah, that's it. And and he's he's sort of shot his gob off kind of thing, you know, but... um, but no, what, what is actually happening in the Chernobyl nuclear fuel thing, right, yeah. is it's smouldering again, and it could explode. Crikey. So did it, uh, did it stop smouldering? I thought it was just like entombed in that kind of concrete. Well, weirdly enough, it is yeah. entombed in it. So what's happening, it's saying that the uh, it's the inaccessible basement areas of Chernobyl, right, are, that's where the smouldering, you can't get in, yeah. right? It's totally, in it, you know, you just, there's no way of getting into it. So researchers monitoring the plant, which famously exploded in the deadly 1986 meltdown, have detected a steady spike in the number of neutrons in an underground room called 305-2. 
The room is full of heavy rubble concealing a radioactive mush of uranium, zirconium, graphite and sand that oozed into the plant's basement like lava, hardening into formations called fuel-containing materials, or FCMs. So rising neutron levels indicate that these FCMs are undergoing a new fission reaction. As neutrons strike and split the nuclei of uranium atoms creating energy. And this is, for now, this radioactive waste is smouldering like the embers in a barbecue pit. Neil Hayer, a nuclear materials chemist at the University of Sheffield in the UK, told Science Magazine. However, it's possible that those embers could fully ignite if left undisturbed for too long, resulting in another explosion. Right, so the potential explosion wouldn't be anywhere near as devastating as one that shattered the plant in 86, right? Um, but what they're saying is if the nuclear material does ignite again, the blast will be largely contained within the steel and concrete cage known as the shelter, wow. right? Which officials built around the plant's ruined Unit 4 reactor one year after the accident. So the build, I mean, uh, you have that in the film, you could see them building yeah, this yeah. huge concrete and steel thing. But what they're saying is, part of the problem is, you see, the shelter in it is itself contained in a large steel structure called the New Safe Confinement, which was completed in 2018. Yeah. Now, they built this thing, I can remember building this new thing, I'm thinking, right, this is it now, this is what's actually keeping everything super, super safe, yeah. we're all good, it's cool. But the issue you might have is, because that's so well contained now, it used to be things like rainwater and all sorts of stuff actually getting into this cellar yeah. where all this stuff was. And it was keeping it all kind of calm. Bit yeah. of damp getting in, bit of air getting in. But now it's super contained, it's all dry. Yeah. That's one thing that I've kicked everything off again. Jesus. So we've got that little joy to look forward that's to. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How scary is that stuff? It's beyond my imagination, it's like that chemical. Is it, what's that other one, I don't know if it's Chernobyl, what's that one when they call it Medusa, and you, they have to look at it around a corner, going back to Elephant's Foot, it's called the No, that's, that's what this was. Is it? That's yeah. what, in fact, what you're describing is exactly what that is. Oh, it's and awful. In fact, it's in that cellar. Oh, fuck. So, and for those who don't know what that is, it's basically, there's a photograph taken, and you had to, again, like Medusa, yeah. you couldn't look straight at it. You had even, to, the, even the camera couldn't look straight. Yeah, that's it. They melted, like, melted the camera, yeah. didn't it? It was meant to be yeah. a quick photograph. I think they got, they got a mirror around the corner that took a picture of the mirror. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the only way. And you just think, that's some devil shit. Yeah, and it's, that's because the radiation coming out of the room was so super powerful to look at it would, to, would, to, would, to, would be enough to kill you, you know? I'd be like, quick look round. Oh, well, really, yeah. I did see a photo I saw today, which was absolutely heartbreaking, and it was a little child. A little Japanese kid, and uh, this Japanese kid um, had white eyes. No, no. And it's because he'd seen the Hiroshima explosion. Oh. He'd looked at it and it cooked out his eyes. Oh, and you see, wow! Oh, May, you know, it's it's just unreal, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Things well, like, funny enough, actually, the talking of that is the. Um, uh, Chernobyl blast was actually as powerful as Hiroshima. That's how really? powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's how powerful. Or the radiation yeah. fallout yeah, of it was. Yeah. You know, that's obviously did kill as many people. You know, it's just, it's just so weird we've actually used that on the planet in it against yeah. each other. It's like, yeah. wow, we are crazy. And it's the thing as well is it's actually quite happily. I mean, we're still setting off nuclear test explosions all the time. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and there was a. Um, it was like an infographic that I saw of uh, them actually happening across the timeline from the very first one that went off yeah. to how much they go off now. And one of the big ones for settings these off is the French. 
What? Yeah, the French are really into it. Yeah, they're really they're setting off nuclear sort of tests. Obviously, the Americans and the uh, Russians and the Chinese are very yeah, sort of into yeah. it as well. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of other countries who have nuclear capabilities don't do massive amount of tests yeah. because those countries are um, quite war. Uh, you know, there's always so for example, uh, Pakistan and India uh, uh, are nuclear powers. But they don't set off tons of stuff because in case they incite the other side to think, aye, aye, it's all kicking off. Exactly. Never presses a button yeah. sort of thing. We've been close to that a few times, don't we? Yeah, you know I mean? same as North Korea. They're, whenever they're doing a nuclear test, it's really widely advertised we're doing a nuclear test yeah, yeah, in yeah. case it all kind of Don't get us. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't knack us. We're just doing some testing, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, that's that's another thing that they do there. It's a, it's yeah. a bit of a... So, yeah, people in those areas looking around that wall, looking around that room, you know, it just cook your eyes out. Oh, let's not look at it. Let's not look at that, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, you know, some areas are best left yeah. uh, unexplored. <laughs> in the you know. cellar in Russia, yeah, let's yeah, just leave them. Just leave them. <laughs> Definitely heard something down in the that, was, that was summer. What the hell was that? It's in the catacombs, mate. Cracking Cove oh, catacombs. What's going on about Russian cellars? Yeah. They were about catacombs. I haven't been down there in years. It always gives me a release down there. Oh, but the thing is, you see, although those are best left in the Russian cellars, I think, unfortunately, we have to investigate what's going on. It's our oh, job. Come on, oh, mate. No. As long as you go with me, I'm all right. Yeah, we'll both go down together. That's what yeah. we'll do, you know what I mean? So. Well, now, Ollie. Now, rough oh, down now. Fuck, we got to right. do. I mean, it's, you know. Let me get me torch. I want my big heavy torch. That's what you So you can twat them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steady down the steps there. Creak on doll. This is well spooky. Oh, no, oh, that's that. <laughs> Steady on, mate. I've got proper sound effects into this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome bat! <laughs> Look out for that triceratops. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, downstairs. Here we go. <laughs> right, so down, down the steps we go. You shine Ooh, your light around. You hear it? I could hear something then. Come on, down this little corridor a bit here. Like, oh God, it's a bit wet, isn't it? Oh, nasty. Shit, what's that, man? Oh my God, it's in the car. Ah! Oh, it's fucking oh, robot. Piss the ball, Todd. What are you doing down here? I can't go here looking for some beer. <laughs> oh. It's our beer. Get the fuck out. Jesus, Pete. <laughs> Go on, do one, get out of that pissing up them stairs. Go on, get you back in your boat. I'll see you later. <laughs> so it was only bloody Pete ferreting around oh down there. Do you know God. what it is? It's because he's, uh, people are allowed indoors again now. Yeah, yeah. he comes scurrying in. Straight. And you're not getting a fucking hug, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't see me catch your back cock earlier. Probably <laughs> <laughs> all of the docks that way. Oh, do oh, <laughs> Bloody Pete, it oh. just sneaks up now, doesn't it? I don't know. Well, tell you what, while we're down here, why do we do a bit of subterranean casting? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, so we've got a little bit of a callback from last week here, oh. right? So I've done a little bit more digging, right? Dracula's. No, actually, oh. it's the screaming basement story. Oh, 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 oh. Camp that? Oh, right. that, yeah. Well, I've been, I, I did a bit of a deep dive in at Wallace, you know. Yeah. And so what I did was, he, first of all, he couldn't find out where the address was. There's no address in the papers, right? I managed to find the address now. Oh, and <laughs> you're going to broadcast it to England. Well, weirdly enough, it's actually quite easily found on the internet is the address. So yeah. I'm not going to sort of like go too deep into it, right? 
In fact, no, I am. I'm going to drop them in. <laughs> <laughs> it is out there. It's wildly, widely out there, yeah, if yeah. you know where to look. And funny enough, the guy who was uh, Alan Delaney Tate, so Alan Tate, who was in the van driving around, sort of telling people, stay away from Ammon. <laughs> I love that bit. Of <laughs> stay away! <laughs> so he, he's actually on one of his he's got loads of well, he had loads of websites sort of telling people hey watch out for this careful of that you know what I mean and he actually did name the the address himself so because wow. he's named it online yeah. and, and it was there, you know? so let's have a rundown here because this is actually from a reddit user right. and uh, and it's, the reddit user is called I'm not a detective which is fair play Maybe honest he is, of him, yeah, yeah. very honest of him yeah so Alan Delaney Tate, also known as Van Fogie, that's kind of his online handle, Van right. Fogie, right? Why does it, it's always got these fucking crazy names, I know, it's mad, isn't it? It's, well, this is his just online, full full online persona, like on Twitter or Facebook yeah, or places yeah. like that. He goes, I know lots of his Van, his, I think one of them, his website's called like vanfogie.com or something. Yeah, yeah. So he was born in 1956 and he's married to Christina Tate, right? Both from the UK and reside in Wales. And a few months ago, a post on, on Reddit, right, stated someone found a flyer in town claiming that the makers of the flyer heard people screaming from beneath their basement. Ooh. So they're doing flyer hits now. But a load of areas of Gloucestershire suddenly woke up to find massive amounts of flyers through the door, right? Saying, but basically claiming that there's people being sort of trapped in tunnels underneath their cellar and they need to get them out that's what they're claiming right so they're like banding people together come on let's start these big tunnels and kind, get the kind of saying getting everybody around so it's some, i don't know why they're doing a flyer run or anything like that fucking you know, insane yeah there are a bit sort of like you know they're a bit off the fucking off the nappers really but the original poster of the post deleted a picture and their account but the picture was saved and picked up by a news site so it's been in the press as yeah, this as well yeah. you know so the news site itself claims to have contacted the police for an interview to see if the claims on the poster were true. And the police said there was no evidence of drugs in the basement, which obviously is a confusing statement. Wasn't it? Like for drugs. Yeah. So back to the original post, right? Van Fogie, or Alan Tate, the creator of the poster, actually responded to this post and read it as an account you can dig through, right? And his account was made on April the 8th, 2019, and all of his posts pertain to the noises he and his wife heard. Yeah. So he's still claiming that this is all going on, there's, there's all these noises underneath the thing, you know what I mean? He's got like a, a change.org uh, petition on the go, all this sort of stuff. So anyway, what I did was when I, so that was the original thing, these basically, basically these people have obviously found all these, you get these noises in the cellar, dug around loads of stuff, <laughs> to get microphones in there, all kinds of madness. Now one of the noises you, you could hear was like a machine running, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah right. That, yeah. So I've had a little look on their um, on the Google Maps of their place. You know, yeah, they, right. you know, yeah, you zoomed in on it. I zoomed in on it, and um, where they live uh, is directly opposite a bus station. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not a coach station sort of thing. Yeah. So basically, that sound could be the idling of engines yeah. and things like this, it right? Yeah, <laughs> the engines, you know. Yeah. But then I was looking at all the other businesses around them, you know what I mean? And, and they are literally on the main street. They are on oh, the main street, right? But what there is next door to them, right, which is very <laughs> odd. Fucking fun house. Go straight. Well, weird enough, it's a, it's a nail bar. A right? nail bar? As in, like, like, get your nails done? Get your nails done. It's quite yeah. a big one. It's called Sophia's Nails, right? Now it seems like the, the business net on the other side, as we said before, is derelict. That's still empty, is there? Yeah. But on this one side is this Sophia's nails. So this uh, Reddit user, his theory is 
The address they claim the sound is being recorded is registered to Alan Delaney, and I would be pressed to believe someone would tank their own flat value, uh, flat value to do such a thing. So he's just saying you can't understand why anyone would want to absolutely knack the value. Yeah, yeah, of your own. <coughs> of yeah, your own your place, you know what I mean? So the description of the area is, to the front is a shop, above the shop is a flat, behind the shop and flat is a house. Oh. So you've got a shop front, you've got a flat above, and behind all that you've got a house. So you couldn't right? get it any more fuller, could you? No, really? you couldn't, no, that's <laughs> you wouldn't it. have a front door yeah. if there were another house in here. And it says it's uh, 20 College Street, Ammonford, right? And the shop is Sophia's Nails. And I think he's trying to link the things he hears in the house, or the house's basement, to the nail salon, right? Pissing, screaming, pulling your nails off. Well, the thing what he's trying to say is, or claim is, that this nail bar is full of like uh, immigrants uh, and it's been used to house and sort of like move move people around. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now um, he says that the uh, he's trying to the things he hears in the house basement to the nail salon right basement. And he states that the shop below his flat has a proceeds of crime restriction, meaning they can't search or seize anything from the nail salon. So the flat above it is the central office of its other business. So he's he wants he's got another the flat that's there. Yeah, yeah. It's one of his other businesses, and his businesses are ADT UK Wide Limited, which is a motor repair shop. Right. Right. Uh, Eleven. Uh, it's number plates online limited, a motor part accessory shop. And he's also the Three Balls Guest House Limited. So this Alan Tate has three businesses mm. registered at this address, mm. right? Which begins the question, why live in a van if you own a hotel? Yeah. So anyway, his theory is, why do you try to tank the value of your own property with all this screaming and all this sort of stuff going on, right? His theory is that he's trying to reduce the nail salon's price to buy it. Or just vacate the shop. He wants the nail salon, right. and he wants everything around it. That's why the other shop's empty. I think he's a bit of a menace, is this guy? Wow. And he doesn't like the nail salon. Yeah. And he looks like potentially—we're not saying this is absolutely true—but potentially he could be trying to just wreck the uh, the name of the area, yeah. so then he can sort of snap sit, up all yeah, yeah. sit on it for a few years, and yeah. That's potentially it. But anyway, I know that Alan himself has actually responded to this. Ooh. Now, what Alan claims is that he's found the owners of that particular business, the nail salon, and he says the wrong ones. All right. And apparently, she's guilty. The woman who owns this nail salon, Sophia, I imagine, yeah. and running 15 cannabis farms around the country. Wow. So it could be like a bit of a, a criminal front. So it's a bit of a theory of it could go either way. It's like yeah, he's. Yeah. he's Basically, trying to get her out. He wants the nail salon gone, right? Yeah. But all around this business, there's loads of other businesses like some sort of tanning salon. There's all these, you know, the kind of businesses yeah, which are all a bit like, are they a front? Yeah. Are they not? You know, they're all a bit dodgy. Just cleaning cash. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it is, so the whole area is a bit like that. But Alan seems to have kind of gone up against them. Mm. Um, I think that's why he's actually on the on in the on van. The hoof. He's yeah. actually kind of on the run a little bit. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah. moving around to keep away from whoever might be Sophia's nails. Wow, this is a dark story. Yeah, you know, like some occult Welsh chal. Charlie Bronson. Yeah, well, this is it. But then again, he also could be completely imagining the whole thing. Yeah, he could be off his tits and he's sort of. So basically, he's claiming that the there could be tunnels underneath the salon, this nail nail bar thing, where they've got a lot of illegal immigrants screaming and crying and kids under there and all sorts of stuff, which is a bit Pizzagate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, everyone else around is saying we're not aware of this. He seems to be the only person who's aware of it. You know. 
But is it true or not? I don't know. Is this person who runs Sophia's Nails really a, a drug a drug cartel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just that bit with the police coming out and said we've found no drugs here. Yes. I tell you what, I've heard of this weird thing where they, they, they mix cannabis and rhubarb, and it could be like big rhubarb farms under there, and you can hear it scream, can't you? Oh, it grows. Oh, is it creaking? It's Sorry, creaking. It yeah, creaks yeah. when it grows. <laughs> yeah, it's forced rhubarb because we are now in the rhubarb triangle. As yeah, we speak. exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so we're, and we're going to follow this story a little bit more. Please do, because this is, I want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be great if we could get an interview with Alan Tate. Yeah, come on, Al. Yeah, that's come, it. Come to Crack and Cove in your van. No, don't invite me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not when we're down here in cellar at the well, moment. True, actually, yeah. yeah. We don't want to hear any screaming or him digging around with his microphones. <laughs> a bit terrifying. He's probably the wee So while we're down here, I think we should still go back and cover a little bit of the subject we sort of touched on last week, you know. And it's something we're going to come back for, probably revisit a little bit as my research goes on, because I'm still doing a little bit of digging, still a bit of wondering about it. A bit of sleuthing. A bit of sleuthing here. And this is about uh, New Orleans vampires again. Ah. Cool. There seems to be more and more information out there as I keep digging, you know. Yeah. And I, it could have been worth a special, to be honest. Yeah. But I think we, well, as it is, we'll just as, as we find out. I might even still need to do a special on it. Lovely. Um, but I might, um, I might work that around the count of Saint Germain. Yeah. You know, see, yeah. see where we go from there. Uh, but this one is the forgotten history of two New Orleans vampires. Wow. And this is from the website yesterday. Uh, yesterday's America. Right? It's yeah. the editorial team did this. I've been pulled together. So vampires come in many fictional forms. Some of them serious, and some of them a bit silly. So this, obviously, you know, it's like Grandpa, what's the Grandpa Vampire Monsters and all that sort of thing. But what form do real vampires come in, and do vampires exist? There is a fascinating and suggestive tale from the history of New Orleans, one of America's most haunted cities. Indeed, the gruesome story of the Carter brothers reveals something about vampires, and maybe about the present city itself. I think it was cold. Yeah, yeah. So the year was 1932, and a young girl stormed down Royal Street, visibly panicked, her stride broken only by the diligent interception of a police officer. So this girl's absolutely terrorising yeah, down yeah, the street, yeah. right? And her story sounded a bit far-fetched. Tied up by two brothers, along with several other victims, and held captive so the brothers could drink their blood. Whoa. So the girl claimed that she was only able to escape due to her captor's carelessness in securing her ropes. And somewhat sceptical, the police agreed to follow her back to the home on the corner of Royal and St. Anne. Once the police and the girl arrived at the home, which was owned by the Carter brothers, they were horrified to find, as the girl had described, four other victims, <laughs> half dead, tied to chairs in one of the rooms. Oh, that's grim. All victims had their wrists wrapped with bandages, moist and stained with blood. Two more bodies wrapped in blankets were tucked away in yet another room. Drained. Exactly, oh. and sanguinated. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, drained of blood, that's what it's called, yeah. 
and the unmistakable suffocating odour of death permeated the apartment. It seemed the brothers left early each morning just before daybreak and returned every evening just after dark. Immediately upon their return, they would take the bandages off each of the captive's wrists and using a knife, reopen their wounds until blood flowed freely from the victim's cuts. And they caught the blood in cups from which they drank until their hunger was sated. The brothers would then redress the wounds with fresh bandages. They spoke very little and gave no concern for their victim's well-being. Rather, the kidnapped were no more than a food source headed for certain death. Unaware that the girl had escaped, John and Wayne Carter went about their routine as usual. Only this time, the police waited for the brothers to return, and they were quickly apprehended, and upon their capture, confessed almost immediately, begging to be murdered. Wow. The brothers explained to authorities that they were in fact vampires and would, if released, have no option but to continue to kill as their need for drinking blood was beyond their control. And it's said the brothers were tried as serial killers, convicted, and eventually executed. Ooh, how, how were they executed? Yeah. They knew. Do you know something? I don't know that. That's something yeah. I have a chance to look into, you know. But how was it that the brothers, thinking themselves vampires, gifted with eternal life, could be so careless in their plans for survival? Perhaps it was the drastic changing environment in New Orleans that ultimately led to their demise. So during the early 1900s and roaring 20s, the city of New Orleans was like a bustling and it was like a big boom town, yeah. loads of things going on there. There was the jazz scene going on, all that sort of stuff, and it was known as the Big Easy, you know, yeah. that's... And everyone was off. It, it, well, it was a surplus of disposable income triggered a new sense of freedom with the celebration of nightclubs, new energetic music called jazz, <laughs> loose women, the Storyville district, and excitement was unmeasurable to anything the city had ever seen, right? And it had got this sort of like, just feeling of yeah. like anything goes. Well, That's what it was. It was like a real sort of. Um, I didn't know they had loose women back there, though. That's your yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, re- the reason that the um, there was like a Great Depression, obviously the Great Depression before this, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what happened in you know when you have that kind of thing, there's a massive boom. Yeah. Now this is something I've heard about like now that I think the 1920s that was the Roaring Twenties. That's why it was after the Depression was a massive boom, and I think that's what's going to happen now because somebody was saying to me that there's something mad like because people haven't been out and spending. Yeah. Been, you, you said before you see people with Amazon boxes everywhere. Yeah. But it's still a fraction of what they normally spend. Uh, yeah. And they reckon that there's something like 500 billion has Whoa. been saved back that people haven't actually been spending in this time. Christ, and it's ready to go pop. And it's just ready to go pop. As soon as everyone gets out, that's what yeah. they want to do. They're just massive glut of spend, spend, spend. So yeah. they think there could be a massive boom in the economy. So watch that space, you know. But so, yeah, so this, you know, after the Great Depression, there was this massive boom. Yeah. Now, because... Nobody was, there's never been booms like that before, you know, nothing like it ever before. Um, because, of course, there was technology was there as well. So it wasn't just a case that where people, where there was a boom before, it might have been a case that everybody just had enough to eat. Yeah. Whereas this was free money that they had. They had sort of like, you know, industry was blowing up. And another thing that brought a lot of money into America at the time uh, and created a massive boom 
was the fact World War One was need for munitions, bombs, yeah. materials, tanks, and that became this sort of a big creative process. They started making things in America, yeah. and so that manufacturing boom also—it's almost like the industrial revolution for us, yeah. you know, two hundred years before that. That's what they had. They had their own industrial revolution, and there was a shit ton of money and no way of kind of um, regulating it. So when this was going on in New Orleans, it was just madness. But I suppose if you've got a chaotic city with lots of money and freewheeling things going off, what better place for vampires to hide? It is, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like going back to uh, is it H H Holmes with like the World Fair and the big booms? Absolutely, yeah, you are right. Migrations of people, people just go missing and they just don't. It's just such a common thing. It could be dastardly vampires, or it could be just changing yeah, your job, couldn't it? Yeah. And in, in fact, during this time as well, I think just a bit before it, uh, there was like a, a I don't know if you heard about the Mad Axeman of New Orleans. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's something we'll have to cover as well. You know, I mean, that was, that was sweet. A, yeah, a, seri- a, a series of absolutely brutal murders <laughs> using an axe. Wow. Uh, um, and he was usually, he, he wasn't bringing his own axe with him. Right. He was going to places and finding, because a lot of places they'd have like wood burning stoves. Yeah, so yeah. Every, everyone had a, an axe in yeah. the yard. So he'd walk, wander around, find an axe, and go, right, here we go. Do them all and, in. And do them all in, you know what I mean? And so we'll, we'll cover that one at a later date as well, yeah. because that's pretty interesting. You can't be an axe murderer. Yeah, you can't. Well, this is it. It's just, you know. And um, so this is, this is New Orleans at the time. It was just a place of chaos. Ripe for uh, mania, and even then, look, I mean, the six people had gone missing there in that particular house yeah. for the brothers, the Carter brothers. There, uh, nobody missed them. Well, they said don't file reports according to last week. Yeah, they said don't sit the file reports on it. It's yeah. just this thing where I suppose, as well, where there's a lot of money and a lot of dodgy activity, there's a lot of police corruption as well. Mm, so, you know, a lot of people, Wally. yeah, that's it. This was paid to sort of like look the other way. Yeah. And the people paying them, they could be just, I don't know, drug dealers, they could be gamblers. They could sounds be, ace, doesn't it? Yeah. All to the background of jazz. Skilly bat! Skilly Yeah, so it could be, yeah. It's absolutely, well, I've always wanted to go to New Orleans, but I think the New Orleans now is a pretty I've heard it's affair. absolutely gross. Or yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's Mardi Gras is yeah. sort of like, seems to be sort of like a very sordid affair. Basically, yeah. loads of cheap jewellery and women are getting their tits out. It's, that's yeah, alright actually. <laughs> <laughs> Book now. <laughs> the thing is there, you see, it's like the reality of vampires is something that we're really sort of like uh, been looking into a bit there, you mm. know, and, and obviously the idea that there could be vampires sort of like running rampant yeah. in, in, in New Orleans yeah. is, is a great idea, but it's not just New Orleans where these things can occur, they can occur much closer to home. Oh, please. Right? And if we know, if we can go to a place, right, which is, have you ever heard of Gorbals? Yeah, but I don't know why. It's a, it's a really, what was, it's not so much now, but it was a mega rough area of Glasgow. All right. It was, uh, it was a tough place. Yeah. It was... Um, the docks. I don't think, no, I think it's mainly the tenement buildings. Yeah, it was yeah. a place where there was lots of, like, the Glasgow tenements were pretty shocking affairs. There's just very, almost like the tower blocks of the day. There's sort of sometimes four or five, four or five sort of stories high. Right, yeah. um, rooms were very cramped. Yeah, like just families in that's rooms. That's it, yeah. You, 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 I, I think, I, I don't know, it was, it was governed, I think, that um, 
uh, Billy Connolly came from. But it's that yeah, kind of, yeah. it's that kind of area where just just rough as fuck. Just rough as fuck. <laughs> yeah, and it will be dock workers and yeah, the poor. Yeah. I, I mean, because he when Billy Connolly, he, he when he was growing up, he was five people or something in a double bed. That's oh, how he grew God. up sleeping, and that's how a lot of these people, you know, you. you Terrifies me that with poverty sometimes. Like when we in Victoria, when mm. they had to like stand up in a room, you paid to stand up oh, in a room to sleep. To <laughs> toe the line, yeah, 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 bit, yeah hanging on the line. Like, what? Just paying extra just to like stand up and just drape over a bit of rope. It's just mentally. Yeah. Man. And it's, 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 it's yeah. so bleak, yeah, so bleak, yeah. you know what I mean? And actually a good one for reading stuff like that is, uh, I forgot which book it is now, it's, I think it is Bleak House by, yeah. uh, by Charles Dickens. <laughs> it's a good name for it. Yeah, yeah that's fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, it man. really really paints a horrible picture. No, I'll leave it. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to the Gorbals of Glasgow now for the strange tale of the Gorbals vampire of Glasgow. This is by uh, Brent Swanser from Mysterious Universe. So, located just next to the city centre of Glasgow is an area known as the Gorbals, once a small village right there on the street, but which in later years came to be known as an overcrowded slum. And in the 1950s, this was a grim, smoggy place that had been heavily impacted by pollution caused by its proximity to all of the factories that were churning out weapons and steel for World War II. And living conditions at the time were rough, with overstuffed, filthy housing projects, with flimsy construction, poor sewage facilities, and more often than not, no running water. Oh, this is 1950s, you know what I mean? Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was in this climate of stench, squalor, and poverty in a city still reeling from the war and wreathed in the smoke of the nearby steelworks that a new threat would creep out from the rat-infested gloom to terrorise the populace and spawn a tale of darkened, haunted cemeteries, a spooky town, and a metal-toothed vampire. Oh, yeah, baby! <laughs> metal tooth? Yeah. So in September of 1954, rumours began to circulate around the area that two children had gone missing to never be seen again. But there were some who would claim that they knew what had taken them, and that it lived in a large cemetery just outside of the city limits that was called the Gorbals Necropolis. Wow. Or, by its more sinister nickname, the City of the Dead. Oh, so according to these stories, there was a vampire living in the cemetery, and a rather terrifying one at that, standing seven feet tall with glowing eyes, and most spectacularly, sharpened fangs made of iron. <laughs> so many children began reporting that they had seen the ghoul for themselves and soon there were numerous sightings of what would be called the Gorbals Vampire lurking in the necropolis, shambling about to feed on the unsuspecting. <laughs> and at the time, authorities tried to calm the populace by stating that there had been no boys reported missing at all and that there were no fiendish vampires stalking the cemetery. And the school headmaster denounced it all as nonsense. But by that time, the rumour had taken on a life of its own, especially among the area's children and young adults. The rumours flew, whispered amongst the believers, until most kids had either seen the vampire themselves or knew somebody who had. And the Gobbles vampire was even said to have an evil witch for a companion. Oh, this is super cool, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Isn't it? 
But what would you do with this a vampire? You'd imagine the fear, you know what I mean? Seven foot tall and metal teeth. Yeah, geez. so you can imagine these these sort of slum tenements, all this sort of chaos occurring, you know. And you, you know, what what do you do? You know what I mean? How do you how do you go about it? So, rather amazingly, rather than just cowering in their rooms in fear and hiding from the vile creature, yeah, man, lynch mob. The children of the Gorbals began to formulate a plan to actually hunt it down and kill it. <laughs> all little ruffians and that gangs and there's not more terrifying, is there? Not at all, you know. <laughs> So to this end, they began sending messages and notes to their friends and friends of friends, amassing a group of would-be vampire hunters who went about fashioning weapons such as stakes and preparing to actually get together to storm the necropolis to launch a full-scale assault on the insidious vampire. <laughs> and Mr. Wilbury from the corner shop goes, oh, let's go visit my wife today. <laughs> oh, shite! <laughs> Can you imagine what? Oh, millions of little horribles. On September the 23rd, <laughs> 1954, hundreds of kids uh, aged 4 to 14. 4 to 14? <laughs> yes! Oh, little Chucky. With their makeshift weapons, knives, and even dogs. Oh, God. Converged on the cemetery, and the scene turned into absolute chaos. (laughs) 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 Wow. The children poured into the necropolis, roaming about the graves or perching upon the cemetery walls on the lookout for the beast. Oh, wow. What a spectacle. One witness to it all, Ronnie Sanderson, says he was eight years old at the time and describes the storming of the Gorbal City of the Dead. Oh, wow. It all started in the playground. (laughs) The word was there was a vampire and everyone was going to head out there after school. At three o'clock, the school emptied and everyone made a beeline for it. We sat there for ages on the wall, waiting and waiting. I wouldn't go in because it was a bit scary for me. And I think somebody saw someone wandering about on the cry went up. Oh. There's the vampire! Oh, shit. <laughs> Mr. Wilbury screwed it. <laughs> so that was it. That was the word to get off that wall quickly and get away from it. Ah. I just remember scampering home to my mother. What's the matter with you, she says. I've seen a vampire, I says. And I got a clout round me ear for me trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know what a vampire was. <laughs> Well, he legged it, but the rest of the kids didn't. They were storming around, completely going off the reds hunting a vampire, right? little shivs and that. Yeah. So making it all even eerier was that the nearby steelworks was belching flames, which cast a red hue onto the fog and produced an unnerving atmosphere and flickering shadows that danced about, as well as producing relentless cacophony of clanking metal. Oh, what? you couldn't get more evil, can you? can no. see that. It all further cranked up the tension and terror, and when police showed up to the bizarre scene of this mob of armed children hunting down a vampire, they were unable to get the kids to leave. In fact, many of the children even pleaded with the police to help them find the nefarious vampire, and it was all surreal to say the least. It was only when it began to pour down with rain that the crowd dispersed. But even then, the vampire hunters returned to the cemetery for the next two nights, never finding their quarry. Wow. And deep in a tomb, the vampire were there, scuttling his witch. (laughs) (laughs) Cackling his teeth. (laughs) 
so the reasons I think this might have occurred was because you know what what suddenly got into these kids you yeah. know but because it, it was like a sudden surge of like American horror, horror comics got ah. it came from like from, there's a lot of different imports coming at the time anyway but horror comics was like a big import you know yeah. and such uh, such ones as Tales from the Crypt wow the vault of horror and in particular one was called Dark Mysteries ah. Which actually featured one issue that had an actual vampire with iron teeth. <laughs> so at the time, uh, parents and city officials were so certain that these lurid and terrifying comic books were to blame that they went about trying to ban the sale of American comics. And the 1955 Children and Young Persons Harmful Publications Act was passed, limiting what kids could read, or you know, you have to sort of license it a little bit, you know. But while this seems to be the easiest explanation, and no doubt such comic stories likely had some part to play in the mayhem, some of the vampire hunters would later insist they had never even seen an American comic book. It has also been suggested that a large part of it could have to do with the incredible potency of a child's imagination and their ability to make the images in their head real, in yeah. a sense, you know? These kids have grown up hanging out at the spooky old metropolis one of the few slashes of green and open space in the entire city. But it was also a gloomy place of death, pervaded by the stench of sulphur from the steelworks, yeah. and perpetually cloaked in smoke and fog, all overlaid with a chorus of banging metal and flames spewing out of the steelworks. <laughs> it's proper horror. I can see it totally, though, that bit where maybe one kid read that comic. And he told little Billy Doubtley, Billy told to... Yeah. And it just, but it's that, the hunt as well, isn't it? You're like, they're taking power back for themselves, you know, the poverty, the depressiveness, the thing. Then they're out fighting something, in, you know, the, the, the hero. Absolutely. Yeah. This is something I find exciting about. These kids were sitting back and let this sort of, like, grim yeah. circumstance play on their <laughs> minds. They're <laughs> thinking, fuck it, let's go chin it. Is it? And if some kid knocks at me down now and said, we're going to local cemetery, I'll be after just up and down, there's sort of 300 kids there all told up. Come on, We're hunting a vampire. Yeah, you know? Come on, kids. Yeah. But in a weird way, perhaps the vampire, you could see it as an analogy for the city itself. Yeah. It was sucking them dry. With its metal teeth clanging. Yeah, that's it. And it was, it was, it was slowly killing them, sort of thing, yeah. and draining them because they were sort of like, not only just for the labours, but because of the toxic, in, you know, the fumes and things. There's no future to it all. It's just sucking the very soul out. Yeah, of it, so it? these kids, maybe that's the vampire that they stood up against. Was yeah. this sort of this horror, this very real horror? That's so cool with Witch Helper as well. Like, what a dreaded sight that is. Them two knocking about that cemetery glowing red. And I know, <laughs> and that's it. It's clanking, the belching of the fumes. Oh, what a scene it, that must have been. What a scene. Oh, it's just so cool. So, I mean, I, obviously now there'll still be some kids still alive yeah, today or yeah, out no, there. You know, they probably will be all dead by Scene, so there, the Gobbles yeah, Vampire Hunters. Oh, that's fantastic! I love that. It's metal, really. isn't it? You know? <laughs> metal, that is the Beg the question. We've over two weeks we've covered sort of like um, quite a few vampires now, mm. we, you know. So I'm going to have to ask you: do you, What do you think? Do you think they're real? Are vampires out there? 
Well, I've definitely met social vampires before. <laughs> you know, but it's true though. Oh, yeah, people yeah. feed on other people. But I, I'd, I'd say it again, I reckon, yes, it could be possible. I really do in my heart, you know, because well, I just... Yeah, I, I think you could be right in some sort of ways because, yeah. as you said, funny enough as you say that social vampire, there is different types of vampires, isn't there? In yeah, the yeah. There's, there's those people who are energy vampires, just sort of like seem to take great glee out of seeing you down, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think there's other people suck, suck the energy or strength out of exactly. you. Exactly. Know? But um, weirdly enough, what we have here is an actual case, documented case of, I suppose you could class it as vampirism, right? <laughs> Because this story is from the BBC, right? It's from a Thomas Freimorgan, which I think is a great old name, isn't it? Great it's name for somebody who writes about vampires. <laughs> and this is the super rich are injecting blood from teenagers to gain oh. immortality. Wow. So if you uh, if you're a millennial, you might have felt for a while now that the older generation are out to suck them dry. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So to the to their yin of affordable housing, secure jobs, and actual pensions. This generation seems to have a yang of six-figure car garages for homes, you know, <laughs> gigs for jobs, and a retirement age that's like a mirage on the horizon that seems to get further and further away the closer you get to it. <laughs> and that must be so true for that generation. Yeah, yeah, you know, I really do yeah. feel it, you know. So avocados on toast aside, it's pretty clear that yang is not doing well in this relationship, you know. <laughs> But the blood sucking appears to become a whole lot more literal. Because the super wealthy are now pumping themselves with the blood of young people in an attempt to prevent themselves from aging. Over 100 people have participated in a clinical trial at a San Francisco startup offering blood transfusions for older patients. Each procedure costs $8,000 and sees the patient injected with two and a half litres of plasma the liquid element of blood that remains after other cells have been removed. And this plasma has been taken from young people. <laughs> the procedure is being offered as an experimental attempt at rejuvenating the elderly. Which I don't see why do it? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The median age group of the patients is 60 years old. So Jesse Karmazin, 32, a Stanford-trained scientist who founded the US clinic, told the Sunday Times that the initial results for his patients had been encouraging. He could help improve things such as appearance or diabetes or heart function or memory. These are all the aspects of ageing of a common cause. I'm not really in the camp of saying this will provide immortality, but I think it comes pretty close. Yeah. That's what he's saying. How well does it work? Well, this is it. I think it's, it, it, it's still quite new, is this, you know. So, the new treatment comes on the back of several studies over the last 17 years in which Stanford researchers have shown the, uh, the joining of a circulatory systems known as parabiosis between old and young mice to be effective in rejuvenating organs, muscles, muscles and stem cells. So in a weird, almost like Dr. Mengele kind of way, what they've done is they've fastened two mice together, mm. right, an old mouse and a young mouse, and allowed the blood for it to flow freely between the two. Yeah. And they're saying that Additionally, a study last year found that the plasma of young people itself had a rejuvenating effect when injected into all the mice. Wow. So what, this is what they're saying, he's working. And what they're not looking at here is what's happening to young people in, in this gig, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, so so b uh, despite the results of the mice-based studies, researchers have attacked the scientific validity of Karmazin's experiment and raised a number of ethical concerns, mm. quite rightly. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
So for one thing, Karmazin's trial does not include a placebo group, right? And participants can be as young as 35. So I think he's actually cooking the books a bit. It sounds like, I'm not saying he is, I, I don't, but it looks a little bit, I don't think there's been enough scientific rigor gone into this to sort of say, but I think what he realizes is that old people are desperate enough to turn around and say, if there's any way of feeling ace, yeah. you know what I mean? Because that's been the long run with the Rolling Stones, hasn't it? Ah, right, but trying to feel you. Yeah, they that, just reckon, yeah. reckon they go away and have a, you get a full blood, blood swap every sort of, every year or six months, you know? And that's why they look so good for their age. Yeah, like you say, it's that bit with old people desperately haven't been able to afford it, and I mean, like, like uh, economic strength. And yeah. then the young people being that vulnerable and that poor and without futures that they probably will whore themselves out of their own exactly bored and bodies, you know? It is, like, it's absolutely whoa. terrible, you know? So critics have also pointed out the danger of unnecessarily exposing people to the potential risks of blood transfusions, which include hives, lung injury and fatal infections. And others have argued that the treatment amounts to a scam, exploiting the hype around the untested medical properties of young people's bloods. So people want to believe that young blood restores youth, even though we don't have any evidence that it works in humans and we don't understand the mechanism of how mice look younger. So they're not looked into the mechanism, they just basically observed the mice and said, yep, yeah, let's go ahead and do it for humans. <laughs> the mice look younger. Yeah, that's it. Oh, they're wearing like hoodies and stuff like this. <laughs> Talking slang. We're getting face tattoos and stuff like this. <laughs> but then there's the murky ethics of buying blood that young people might have thought they were donating to those in medical need. Uh, so they're going nicely to the blood bank and they're just yeah. getting, oh. So while US plasma donation sites normally offer a stipend, of, I don't know what a stipend means actually, but it's, it's, I think it's just like a payment yeah. of 20, between 20 and $50, right? They emphasize that life-saving treatments that donations can support using patient testimonies. So they are turning around and saying to everybody who's coming and saying, hey, this is gonna help out. Yeah. And it's, they're not using it for that. They're using it to inject into mega rich oldsters who yeah. think they're gonna be rejuvenated, you know? So what do you think of that? Do you think it's, I mean, it is like it is like vampirism, isn't it? In half, like I said before, it's about the, like the old feeding off the youth, and they're just such a baby boom, you know, settled out early retirement from rep job, and they're all going golfing and that. And yeah. then the bottom of it, like I say, people can't have a retirement age; they can't get on housing market. They're, they're not absolutely buggered, aren't they? Yeah, really? yeah, it's a generationally buggered, you know. And it's like even as as, as ourselves, and we've got the, we've got the uh, the lighthouse and we'll stuff like that. Somewhere to keep, don't we? Forever. I'm still a big believer in what you need to do is knock off a zero of all the house prices, just to knock a, knock yeah. a zero off every house price, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then everyone can start again, you know. Yeah, true. Uh, have you? There's another one called um, Have you ever heard of the Vampire Facial? What? Yeah, there's, there's some on market now, so you go like a couple of weeks before your appointment and they take your blood out. Yeah. It's not, you know, I've heard it from lasses like, uh, and then they spin it, clean it, and maybe turn it into plasma. I don't know what the fuck they do with it, but then they, they inject it back into your face. Oh, right, I thought it was a sex thing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to redecorate your face. <laughs> oh, the money shot. With <laughs> blood. Yeah, the oh. bloody shot. Oh. <laughs> No, not into that kind of squirtiness. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, but this is it. It's all a bit of a funny thing, our own relationship yeah. with blood. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's not right, that, is it? I mean, I think the kids need to do What they need to do is go, never mind sort of waiting at the, until the vampires rock up. I think these kids in the modern society yeah. just need to sort of arm themselves with shivs and take over. Exactly. Like, a bit of revolution, baby. Yeah, I like it. They'll take over the golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> 
tournament at skate parks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stairs now, oh, it's a bit, yeah, bit gloomy yeah, down yeah, here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dripping walls and stuff, you know, on yeah, top of the vampires. Let's, yeah, let's get back upstairs and into the kitchen. Here we go, right, here we go. Up we go. Take a seat, Oh, we are in the kitchen, it's a bit brighter. Yeah. Because you know what, it's that time. Oh, not that time already. <laughs> <laughs> it is that time already. <laughs> <laughs> but we've always, always got time for just one more cast. Oh, lovely. You, see, yes, it? you know, we're talking about kids and things like this, you yeah. know. We want something a bit jolly, don't we? To do with children, a bit, bit jolly. Yeah, yeah, please. How about a, uh, how about a hijacked school bus? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah man, I've got Dirty Harry, that Scorpio music yeah. playing. Roll, roll, roll your boat. Oh such a cool movie. Oh I don't want to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a, an armed school bus hijacker. God. Let the children go after they pestered him too much by asking lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> And this is uh, Gino Spokia for The Independent. And it's an armed military trainee accused of hijacking a school bus let the children off after they frustrated him by asking too many questions. <laughs> so Jovan Colazzo, 23, a trainee at Fort Jackson in South Carolina, got on the bus at an interstate highway on Thursday before demanding the driver divert to a nearby town. Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott told reporters at a press conference that Mr. Colazzo told the bus driver that he didn't want to hurt him, but to drive to a town with the children on board. Mr. Colazzo ordered all 18 children to the front of the bus, but the situation became frustrating for the alleged hijacker when they overburdened him with questions, <laughs> according to Mr. Lott. Why? Yeah. The kids were asking questions like, Are you going to hurt us? Are you a soldier? Are you a bus driver? <laughs> just asking him question after question, right? <laughs> so they're just being kids. That's yeah. all they're being, you know what I mean? And I think that added to the frustration that he already had. <laughs> after six minutes, <laughs> the military trainee let the driver and children off the bus before driving a short distance along the interstate before stopping and abandoning the vehicle. <laughs> He's just had enough, had yeah. it? Just ruined He's it. Completely. Yeah. I think it, it, for him to be running away as well, he must have had a bit of a bad day. Yeah, yeah. And so they made it worse. They made it worse. This is that morning must have been to think between what happened that morning and that evening must <laughs> yeah. be like, well, that was a shit storm, yeah. wasn't it? That were a long day. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Lott said it was the first time that a school bus had been hijacked by an armed suspect in his career, but unfortunately the driver had recently been trained to deal with such a situation. Oh, cool. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Just ask questions. <laughs> yeah, bus drivers are unsung heroes, and we saw that today, said Mr. Lott. We saw a bus driver who cared about the children on that bus. And the sheriff also said of the children, there were six minutes. They were traumatised. Six complete minutes that a bad guy was on the bus with a gun. Footage from on board the bus was also released, showing a man holding a firearm and dressed in a t-shirt with the word ARMY on the front. <laughs> <laughs> and the individual believed to be Mr. Collapser could be heard shouting instructions at the driver, CLOSE THE DOOR, DRIVE, DRIVE! 
the 23-year-old who left Fort Jackson after just three weeks of training was afterwards arrested and charged with 19 counts of kidnapping, oh. armed robbery and several other felon felonies, oh, according to Mr. Lot. What a 10 minutes that is, really. All right, six minutes he handled, you know, to get there, get on the boat. You know, about 10 minutes. How many years in prison are you going to yeah. get for that? It's like, just going to be slammed half up. Hour. Oh, yeah, just a half idiot. hour of madness. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's it forever. Because he, he's obviously what's happened there. It's three weeks of training. He's had enough and he's yeah. hoofing it, right? Yeah. And he's thought to himself, how am I going to get to where I want to go? I know I'll just take a bus. Yes, yeah, so first thing that pops, oh, bus. What a complete and <laughs> utter turn it. Total oh, loser. But at least it didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, very good that he didn't, but they're going to hurt him in prison. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to be. He's going to go tatters. to Max Place, isn't he? He's yeah. like some like soft place. No, and like. after only three weeks of training, you haven't got like armed, unarmed combat yet. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You've got that, yeah. Just out of do your bed and stuff, oh, isn't it? No, you know, go, go, just go. enough to fit in the, the rules of prison. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The prison. <laughs> he's not going to be in for a happy time, well, but you know, yeah. it ended okay eventually. Yeah, for the children. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we've managed to see uh, clear out the demons out of our cellar here, which yeah. is the demon that is Pete. Yeah, the spirit smelling Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and we're upstairs now, it's nice and fresh, and everything's okay. Ah. So, what we're going to do now, have that little drinky. Lovely. Yeah. Piss out. <laughs> <laughs> On the piss. <laughs> so, you've just left me to say a big bye bye from Matt. That is a big bye bye from Benny. See you later, guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at Podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at Kraken Cove Or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!